Welcome back to the Down to Earth podcast. We've heard the saying, we are what we think we are and what we think we attract. Yet a lot of people find it hard to believe that our thoughts, words, and imaginations can really impact our reality. However, we have learned through personal experience that the law of attraction is very real and that our words, thoughts, and visualizations hold a lot of power over who we become and the life we end up living. In this episode, we're joined by law of attraction expert, Robert Zink. Robert is a grandmaster in Reiki and creator of the Ruach Healing Method. His deepest passion is to help individuals and businesses manifest success. He fulfills this passion through writing books, recording audio programs, mentoring individuals, teaching ancient mystery traditions, and he is also the co-author of the books, Law of Attraction Secrets, Magical Healing Energy, and Manifesting Beyond Belief. Robert has incredible insight into what exactly the Law of Attraction is and how we can use it to master our present and our future. Here we go. Welcome to the Down to Earth Podcast. We're your hosts, sibling duo, Jonathan and Lorena. In this podcast, we'll be spilling the tea on all things health and wellness related. This podcast is designed to motivate you to take care of your physical, mental, and spiritual health. We'll be bringing on doctors, healers, fitness experts, business leaders, and innovators. Thanks for joining us in our mission of making the world a healthier, happier, and a more down-to-earth place. Here we go. Hey, Robert, how are you today? Good. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for joining us. I am excited to be here. This yeah, is well, fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Both of us have been big fans of your work for a while, big fans of all the content you put out on your Instagram, all the other great work that you do. So we're excited to, to dive deep with you today and learn how we could all live more abundant lives. Abundance is where it's at. That's what people want. A hundred percent. Well, I'd love to get started by learning a little bit more about your story, your journey, and what ultimately led you to all the findings that are now so prevalent in your life. Well, I went through kind of a tragedy. Well, not kind of a tragedy when my mother was died at age 17 and I met an older gentleman. We were both going to vocational school at the time. I was going for broadcasting and uh, I was going to college and vocational school at the same time. And this guy kind of took me under his wings and he was a mystic, a spiritual individual. It's funny, you know, when it comes to health issues and stuff, and I won't get into specifics, but he told me stuff about myself at 17 years of age. He said, now you need to watch out for this. And specifically, you need to look out for this. And I remembered the stuff that he told me 30, 35 years later. And because it came to pass just the way he said it would if I didn't watch out. So he had a very good sensitivity and, uh, and understanding. We became very best friends for many, many years. And he mentored me and uh, brought me into the ancient mystery schools. And I became the imperator of a group called the Esoteric Order of the Golden Dawn. In history, it was known as the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. And it was a Western mystery school that was based primarily on Christian, Judeo-Christian, Kabbalah, Egyptian, Zosterism, kind of Western mysteries. And it tied all of those different, because 
religion has an exoteric teaching, which is for the masses, and has an esoteric teaching, which is for those who want to go deeper. And the esoteric teaching in all these different religions was about the same. So I pursued that and went about my life. I got into entertainment for a while, became a stage illusionist and did cruise ships in Las Vegas and places like that. I was never super successful at it, but I enjoyed it. I still enjoy it. But then I kind of gave that up and and decided to focus on real magic. And that is the, the magic of light, the magic of knowing who you are, your direction. And then when the The movie, The Secret, came out. I watched it. Everybody said, you got to see this movie. And I watched and I go, well, okay, that's Hermes with the Emerald Tablet in the beginning. And I go, okay, tell me something I haven't heard before. Tell me something I haven't heard. Come on, come on, come on, come on. And it was was just a washover. I'm not saying it's a bad movie, and I love Bob Proctor. But it was just a washover of what I'd been taught in the ancient mystery schools. So I thought to myself, wow, why don't I just make the message simple for the masses, stuff that everybody can use, take what I've learned and help others. And we started a podcast, just like your podcast, not quite as good <laughs> on uh, with no video back, back in 2007, a podcast was strictly audio. And I love that because I, I feel very comfortable with radio, but I, I've never felt all that comfortable with video. But anyway, nonetheless, we started and I started in 2000 and I started mentoring people in 2007, 2009. I started my first podcast and started taking on clients. That's amazing. And what surprised you the most when you started taking on clients? Because I feel like, you know, when The Secret came out and the law of attraction became more, more known mainstream, I feel like some people gravitated towards it, of course, and tried applying it. But for others, there's definitely some more internal hurdles with maybe becoming more optimistic or being more careful with the words that we use or the way that we view ourselves. So what were some of those challenges that you found were most common with some of your clients and how did you help them overcome that? Well, Everybody wanted to believe, and everybody wants to believe that the law of vibration, the law of attraction, the law of assumption, that these are all true and real. We want to believe that, but something stops us from believing it. And I'm not certain what it is, probably just our experience, our life experience in the 3D world. We want to believe that the teachings of Mary Baker Eddy are absolutely True and profound, but there's not too many Scientologists around or, well, that's a different religion. I'm sorry. (laughs) I got the wrong religion, but you get the idea. We want to believe it. So people call me oftentimes when they're in a state of desperation and, and I take them to a point where I say, look, you're at a point now where you have no other choice, but to believe. And when a person finally gets to that state, they start making alchemical transformation in their life, their thinking changes, their body changes, their vital signs oftentimes change, their energy field changes, they start manifesting what they desire. I also think a lot of that belief, like you have to be patient. And I think nowadays we live in a world where we have that instant gratification, right? Like 
think about like Amazon, like you want something, it's delivered at your door within 24 hours. And I think that belief needs to come within because you can be manifesting something for years and to have that belief for so long without it happening is, is a lot of work. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's generational. It doesn't, it doesn't even happen in your lifetime. It happens in the next generation or the generation after that. And so how do we explain that, right? So for somebody who's very dedicated to changing their situation or to manifesting something specific in their life, and they might have the vision board, they might speak affirmative things that they want to exist, but those things aren't showing up year after year, they keep trying they keep trying and it's not showing up. How do we explain that? And for people who are in that position, like what are maybe some things that they could be doing differently? What are some things that they might be doing inherently, which is pushing away what they want rather than attracting it? What's been your experience with that? Yeah, they're in a state of trying. And as long as you're in a state of trying, you're still in a state of trying is contrary to the law of attraction. There's no trying. Yoda says that you either do or don't do. So I discovered that when I was in Portland. I had a garden in the backyard and I would get frustrated on business deals and things like that. I would tell Rachel, I'd say, I I just don't know. I mean, I'm I'm doing everything that I teach others to do. It's not working. She said, why don't you go garden for a while? And I'd go out and pretty soon I'd lose myself in the little tomatoes and the carrots and the weeds I have to pull and all of that kind of stuff. And next thing you know, the phone would start ringing and what I desired was manifesting. Because I stopped kinking the garden hose. You can't just do this by willpower. This is done by setting intention, having clear ideas of what you want, and then allowing it to come to you rather than trying to force it. So on that note, if somebody really wants something, right, how do you sort of find the balance between catch and release? So you set an intention, what you want. You maybe come up with an action plan of of action that you could take to get there, right? If there was a specific job that you want, or if you want to meet someone, maybe you start going on more dates, things like that. Right. But sometimes when we really want something, it does become an obsession. Are you saying that becoming obsessive with something that we want is not healthy, that we should be a little bit more surrendering in just believing that it'll come? I think there's there's a type of positive obsession where you are, okay, so- If, let me give you an example. When somebody comes to me and says, my boyfriend just broke up with me Mm -hmm. and I'm devastated. I understand that they're in a state of shock and then they move into a state of grieving. But I've got to help transform them into a place where they can say, I deserve the love that I desire. I deserve it. Okay. And for whatever reason, this is the hard part. I attracted the breakup. I attracted us getting together. I attracted the breakup. Why? What am I here to learn? And oftentimes it's giving up old beliefs, giving up past pain, giving up doubts, giving up fears. And then all of a sudden the person reaches this point where they can say, I want, we'll say his name is Jim. We'll use that as a fake name. I want Jim or someone better. Aha. Now their their positive obsession is being in a deep, loving, committed relationship, but it's not Jim necessarily. It could be someone better. Do you see the difference? So if it's just Jim, 
in the ancient mystery schools, they say there are three states of obsession. Obsession is the first state. Trance is the second where you just, you, you don't eat, you don't think, you don't do anything. And death is the third state. You just give up, you die. And we see that if you read Man's Search for Meaning by Dr. Mm-hmm. Dr. Frankel, people went through that in the concentration camps and just gave up and died. So I want to get them to that this or something better stage. If I can get there, they can kind of release now. They can unkink the garden hose. And all of a sudden, that person starts getting drawn to them because now they're not filling up that person's head with psychic energy all the time of, I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you, you know? They're not, they're not doing that anymore. And so what happens is one of two things. That person either comes rolling back into their life, but now, now my client is in charge of their destiny, not that person. My client is back up on the pedestal, not that person. And they determine the rules for getting back together. And if they should get back together, or maybe there's someone better. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of the times, like we manifest these things that we're like, I want more money. I want more success. I want a good relationship. But the first step is really believing that you actually deserve those things. Because if we don't have that inner belief that we are deserving of those things, I feel like that's when you kind of like squeeze on that garden hose. Yeah, exactly. What, What your belief is, is what you manifest. So if you believe that you can eat three, four meals a day, eat a lot and maintain your weight. And if that belief is a deep belief, if it's a belief that permeates your subconscious mind, you probably won't gain any weight. And there are a lot of people like that. And they'll say it's their metabolism. I think it might be, but I think it's also their belief. Now, for those that maybe struggle with belief, do you believe in the notion of fake it till you make it? Meaning that if there's something that you want, you know, and you don't currently possess it, live as if you have it and eventually it'll come. Yeah. Well, that's the old advice they used to give newlyweds. But (laughs) I would say, I would say fake it till you make it. Why not say act as if Mm. maybe that's better because we don't want to fake anything. We want to be authentic in our journey, but act as if. Yeah. Cause I know I forgot what his name is, but it's the guy who wrote rich dad, poor dad. Yeah. And I believe it was, yeah. And I think he lives in Arizona as well. Right. I think he does. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it was him who was saying that when he was broke, he had no money. He would always fly first class. Sure. Right. I think that was him who said that he would always fly first class just to be surrounded by the types of people and kind of attract that energy of who he wants to become. Right. And we hear this story all the time. People people drive up to like a home that they want. And like, even though they don't nearly have the budget for it. And then, you know, they sort of imagine and envision themselves living there. And then eventually who knows, a lot of times they end up living there. There was examples of that in the secret. I remember of some like very interesting synchronicities. It's funny. We have a house here. We've been here for a little over a year and now we're coming up on two years, I guess. Anyway, when we were looking for a house, I didn't have any idea of what I wanted in a house. I knew how many bedrooms I wanted, but I didn't really have that visual. I was trying. I was trying Mm. (laughs) to get that visual idea. So I really didn't know, but I knew what I wanted in a backyard Mm. that I knew. And as Rachel said, when we bought this house, we bought the backyard and the house came with it. 
<laughs> so see, so, so what, what do you know? What, if you can see it, and I couldn't see the house, if you can see it in your mind and you can have it clearly there, you can live it in your life. When I was in my 20s, all the people in my industry, all the older guys in their 40s and 50s that had been made a lot of money, were all driving Cadillacs. That was the car back yeah. in the day. I said, I'll know I've, I've got there when I'm driving a Cadillac. So I don't know, it was about three or four years ago. I said uh, to Rachel, I said, well, we have a nice car, but I think I'm ready for a Cadillac. <laughs> and we went down we bought a brand new Cadillac right off the showroom floor. I uh, drove it for a couple of years and I said, I think I would have traded in for BMW, <laughs> but I had to get that out of my system because that was the vision yeah. I had since I was 20 that people with money have cat. Now I realize a lot of people without money have Cadillacs yeah. too, but that was the way it was back then. So, so in the process of manifestation is having the visual important because like we see things, positive affirmations where people will, will say something that they want or journaling where people will write what they want. How important is it to also have a visual and something else that I've heard is even more important than the visuals to actually have emotion attached with the visual. Meaning that if we're like closing our eyes and trying to visualize something that we want, we have to really feel that emotion associated with having it, not just like quickly glancing over just what it looks like. Is that true? Yeah. Well, so both are important, but not everybody is very good at, not everybody's good at visualizing. So some people are more kinesthetic. They feel things. You know, I'm one of those people. I walk into a store and I have to, I, I touch a shirt. I don't care what it looks like. If it doesn't feel good to me, I just walk away from it because I can't, I, I don't see myself ever wearing a shirt like that, but I'm also auditory. You can hear by the way I talk. Yeah. That. I modulate my voice and so forth. So I like sound. I like music. Some people can just hear it in their mind. They're auditory. Some people can feel it and others can see it. Mm -hmm. About 50% of the population is pretty good at visualizing. And with practice, we can all be good at visualizing. So you visualize it. It turns into a thought or you feel it. It turns into a thought. Or you hear it in your mind. You just know. It's called gnosis. You just know that you know. And you hear it in your mind. And then it becomes a thought. And then you send that thought out into the universe. Kaboom. And then you draw whatever it is you desire to you with emotion. Got it. So now, once you get the mental image and the visualization of what you want, and you send it out, do you recommend that a person goes back to that visual every day and tries to like see it in their mind often, or once you release it, is it just a release and you don't really go back to like obsessively visualizing it? Well, okay. So when you go to the gym in the mm -hmm. morning, right? You every morning, every, every morning. morning. Yeah. Good yeah. job. You're better than me, <laughs> uh, but you go to the gym every morning. And when, after you're done at the gym, either at the gym or when you get home, you probably take a shower. Always. Okay. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I wouldn't be sitting as close to him. <laughs> so you take a shower. What does that shower signify? That your work is over with. You're done. And then you're moving on to something else in your life. You're not carrying around a barbell with you all day, are you? No, thankfully. No. 
Okay. You're not jumping rope to your next appointment, but you've done your work. You let it go. And now you're onto something else. It's the same thing with the law of attraction work. So with a lot of people, I know like vision boards have become very popular and people will recommend that, oh, you know, make a vision board, look at it every morning, look at it every night. You wouldn't agree with that statement. You think that's like looking at it too much that you should do the work and then release. Well, okay. So I'm not against vision boards and I use them from time to time. I don't, I was looking, sometimes I'll have a vision board of my son at Christmas time, even though I keep it on my desk year round, but I have a picture of him by the Christmas tree. That's a vision. That's a vision board. And that says that what's important to me on my journey is my family, my son, and helping other people experience the same kind of blessings that I have. So I don't need to put up pictures of, oh, I want to go to this beach in Hawaii. If that helps you, I'm not against vision boards. I would recommend that you get unlined paper, something that is just uh, just white, okay? Mm-hmm. And get yourself one of these black marking pens like so. And what you're going to do is you're just going to hold the marking pen like so, and you're going to close your eyes and you're going to think about what you desire. So I keep seeing that sailboat, that beautiful sailboat. You might see a new house or success in your career or something in your job or a relationship or your specific person, whatever it is you see. And I'm letting this hand go free. I'm not, I'm not guiding it. I'm just letting it go wherever it wants to go. And then I draw a line when I think I'm done. Just use your intuition. This is now my vision board. So my conscious mind doesn't have an any idea what this means. Yeah. I look at this, this is just scribbling but my subconscious knows exactly what it means. Very interesting. And so I can take a snapshot of this, put it on my iPhone, use it as a screensaver. There it is. Every time you see it, it'll remind you of what it is that you want. Yeah, but my conscious mind isn't seeing. And and the nice thing is, is if you do this for seven or eight or nine different intentions, because we all have more than one, and you mix them all up, pretty soon you don't know what the difference between this one and that one and that one, but your subconscious knows exactly what it is. And that's where you want to get the energy going is the subconscious. The conscious is not the connecting link to the quantum field or the infinite field of potential or to God. It's the subconscious mind that is the connecting link. Now, what if someone says to you, Robert, I know that like the feelings that I want to have, right? Like, I know I want to reach success. I know I want to be in a healthy relationship, but they struggle with indecisiveness. So if you're like, where do you want to work? What kind of job do you want? They, they don't know. It's hard for them to make right. a decision or be decisive. And that's something I sometimes struggle with. So I selfishly want to know where would yeah. you recommend someone start? So they really know what their intentions and what they really do desire so that they can go ahead and manifest. Yeah, it's interesting. I turned down a client this morning because she didn't know what she wanted. So <laughs> Sorry, Lorena. <laughs> so I told you, you, you want me to decide for you? Uh, but uh, sometimes it's important to write down a list. This People say, That's, this is negative, Robert. Write down a list of what you don't want. Mm. What are the things you don't want in your life? And get thorough. I mean, maybe take a whole weekend and carry a 
one of these booklets around with you. And every time you think of something, you don't, I don't want to be in traffic jams, write it down, that kind of thing. And, and we do that with relationships. Sometimes we'll get people to write down what they don't want. That gives you an idea of what you do want, because you, if you invert what you don't want to the opposite, likely it's pointing in the direction of what you do want. Now, it won't tell you that you want to work at ABC company, but it'll tell you the kind of job or the kind of work environment you want, and then you can decide. And that's why, that's why Andrew Carnegie said, successful people make up their mind quickly and change their mind slowly because they know what they want. Yeah. They go, oh, this opportunity, that fits exactly with everything. And I know what I don't want. That fits right in. Boom. Let's do it. He used to hold a stopwatch under his desk when he'd ask people about a, a job opportunity. And if they couldn't answer within 30 seconds, they weren't hired. If they said, I got to go home and think about it, or I'd like to go home and have a day or two to talk to my wife about it or this or that, he'd say, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. We'll be getting back to you. And I think a lot of the times it's also fear. So recognizing what that fear is, maybe with the inability to decide on a certain job or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Well, okay. So if you make a decision and you end up with the wrong job, you can always change it. So and people have to remember that, that like things aren't always so rigid and so fixed. I feel like a lot of us, even like the younger generations now, they feel like every decision they make is so permanent, sort of the spontaneity of life just isn't as prevalent anymore, but hopefully we all make the right choices. But in the case that you don't, but you could always do what you can to bounce back from it. Yeah. In the course of a lifetime, you're going to make a lot of choices that probably aren't going to uh, be your best choice, but that's okay. You, you have a direction. That airplane that is flying from Los Angeles to New York, it's on autopilot and it's constantly correcting itself over a thousand times in a flight across the country. It's constant. And that's, what, that's all you're doing is you're constantly correcting yourself. Yeah moving in the direction of your dreams and your goals and the the higher version of you. That's a great analogy. I love that. Now I'd like to speak about abundance a little bit. So for individuals out there who maybe don't come from an abundant situation or maybe have, have struggled or have lacked for most of their life, but they definitely want to change their faith, right? They want to get to a better place, but they don't necessarily know what that feels like because maybe they had a lot of stress associated with money and and financial type things, where should they start? Like, where should they start with really feeling there's bigger possibilities ahead for them? And what are some ways that they might be able to bring more abundance into their lives? Because I feel like that's something a lot of people struggle with. I I was exposed to this watching uh, the Johnny Carson show many years Mm. ago. And David Brenner was on the show. David Brenner was a, a very successful comedian in his, in his life. And he talked about when he was living on one meal a day, and it was usually something that was, you could buy for under a buck or two, like a hot dog and uh, how he lived in a small studio apartment. Uh, He had two suits, but he said, when I put on those suits, nobody knew how much I was struggling. He said, I always always looked my best. I always felt as if I was worth a million dollars. And then he laughed and said, now I'm worth several million. (laughs) But 
Do you see what I'm saying? He he invoked what we would call today, or what is popular today through Neville Goddard's teachings, mm -hmm. the law of assumption. He assumed he was already there. So no matter what you've gone through, you assume you're already there. You so believe you it. So you live as if you already have it. You live as if you're already exactly. at the destination. Exactly. Because the universe doesn't give you what you want. Everybody wants something, right? The universe provides you and gives you what you are. Mm, interesting. I like that. Yeah. So we have to become it first yeah. in order to... Muhammad Ali said, I knew I was the greatest before I ever said I was the greatest. Wow. It's like, I forget who said the, the quote, either you can or you can't, either way, you're right. Yeah, Henry Ford. Henry, Henry Ford. Ford, yeah, which is, I mean, along the same lines of, yeah, it's your choice. And it just gets me thinking, like, I feel like this should be taught in schools for young kids because they grow up and, you know, sometimes they say, like, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be an actress. And their parents are like, oh, no, you can't do that. Or, or our teachers or elders in our lives kind of set these limiting thoughts for us, not on purpose. It usually comes from a place of love. And then it's just an unlearning process as we get older. That's true. And, and I don't know why it's not taught in schools, but I think that parents can take, take on the responsibility of learning it themselves and teaching it to the best of their ability and teaching it through example as well. Absolutely. Now I'm curious, I know you see a lot of clients, how you can use the law of attraction when it comes to health. We spoke about diet a little bit, but do you ever see people with chronic disease or like autoimmune conditions and having to help them kind of reframe their thoughts and seeing any success? Because I do believe that you can try to heal the physical body, but there's such a big mental component and the body just responds. So I'm just curious if you've had any of those experiences. Yeah, because some people, I remember when I was ill in my late twenties and I remember I went to a psychologist and I was talking with him and the next week I was better. And he says, it's like, I almost just gave you permission to get better. And looking back at it, that probably was the case. Here's the thing, Benny Hinn, you know who Benny Hinn is. Benny Hinn is the television minister who used to do the healing crusades. And he was on the Larry King show. And he said, we don't have an explanation for it, but people will come and get healed of a lot of different things. But about four months later, they, it starts coming back. Then I started studying because I am also a hypnotherapist. I started studying these mass programs where people used to come and sit in a hall and they would, in one mass hypnotic session, their desire to smoke would be gone and they'd walk out a non-smoker. And my dad went through that and they could never explain it. When I asked him to explain it to him, he said, I don't know. I just don't want to smoke a cigarette. Stop talking about it. They didn't even want to talk about it. But four months later, they started smoking again. So. That tells me something. Years ago, I was listening to a tape by Tony Robbins, and he talked about an affirmations, several affirmations he had been doing for 25 years. And somebody asked him, well, why would you keep doing those affirmations? He says, why wouldn't I? They work. So I think it's a commitment. And then it's a continual commitment, especially when it comes to health and healing. You, you, you can't make the commitment today, get better go through an experience and not make the continual commitment. So I'll tell you a few brief stories if we have time. Yeah. One, we had a gentleman 
who came to us, we were doing healing work on him. I am also a, an 18th degree grandmaster in Yasui Teate Reiki. Yeah, I was uh, going to ask you about that as well, so I'm glad you mentioned it. Anyway, my point is, is that this gentleman, I had come up with a system based on pranic healing, Reiki, and all the stuff I learned in the Kabbalah called the Ruach healing method. And we started working on him, me and one of my students. Now he had one arm that was severed here at this, this joint, a, a leg over here that was severed above the joint. And he was just in constant pain. And we were working on him with this energy work. And he, for about the first four or five weeks, the pain was gone. Then he said, the pain came back. We started working on him again. He says, it's worse than ever before. He said, the pain is worse than it's ever been. So we said, let's stop. You need to go see your doctor again and find out. His bones had started growing. Wow. So they took him in for surgery because when you're in the womb, and your bones are growing, it's not so painful. Right. But when you're an adult and your bones are starting to grow like that, it can be very painful. So they would take him into surgery, shave off, cut off part of the bone, the grown part. And he'd feel better and he'd come back to us. And we'd start working on him again and his bones would grow again and back into surgery. And so finally they took him, put him in what they call the starfish program at UCLA or USC. And uh, my student continued to work with him, but I, I moved. So my connection with him, but so was his intention to remove the pain. He got in a motorcycle accident. He wanted his arm and leg back. Yeah. That's. And so the energy was working with his intention. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Wow. wow. That's wild. You know? So I was doing a workshop in London and we were talking about healing and energy work and in the, uh, in the, uh, Kabbalah system, we work with angels. And during one of the breaks, the guy who was in the, uh, had a walker, the, the, one of those walkers and could barely walk, legs kind of crooked, had MS really bad. And I'm very familiar with MS. I, my first mentor had MS. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, he says, I think I'm supposed to walk. I says, okay, where do you want to walk to? He says, well, why don't we start across the room? <laughs> and I said, how long has it been since you've walked without a walker? He says, about seven, eight years. I said, okay. I said, have you walked at all? Even one step? He says, no, I'll fall flat on my face without a walker or the canes or a wheelchair. I said, okay. I said, I'll be there to catch you if you fall flat on your face, but I don't think you will. He had higher source and intuition talk to him during my workshop. So we waited till everybody was back from lunch. And I said, we're going to pause the workshop for a moment. And we're going to uh, see something. I pulled away the walker. I walked across the room. I wasn't going to hold him if he fell. I initially thought that. And then I thought, no, why would I, why would I do that? He's either going to do this or he's not. He walked all the way to me. I held him. Now, there was a lot of people there, a lot of witnesses there at this event. I held him. And I said, now what? He says, well, I'm going to walk back to my chair. <laughs> and he walked back to his chair. Everybody was sobbing. Wow. It wasn't. Now, those are only, and he 
continues to walk and make progress. He, again, he was one of those people that was under now under special research by the, uh, I think, Texas University, where they studied the MS uh, thoroughly, but uh, amazing stuff. Yeah. And what seems common between those two clients of yours is that their identity were with like this guy who lost in a motorcycle accident. His identity was still someone who had all of his limbs. And I find that with patients, for example, like I treat a lot of like Hashimoto's or like autoimmune conditions. And a lot of people are like, well, I'm fatigued because I have Hashimoto's and they just identify themselves as this person. So to detach yourself from that makes it really hard for you to heal. If that's your identity. I agree. I agree. It becomes your identity. Let me tell you one more quickly, please. Yeah. I love these kinds of stuff. I had a family come to me and they said, we've been told that you do healing work and that you've had some, some very positive success with cancer. I said, yes, we've done some healing work. We've had some good success with cancer. My sister is dying of cancer. I said, how old's your sister? 26. They've given up on her. She's on uh, IV and hospice and and that's it. So I went there and I kind of explained the whole theory of what I do. And I said, I said, it will work whether you believe it or not. But I said, you have to choose to believe it. Now she was pretty bad. I could not, if I was doing work on you, a lot of times I will put my hand like right on your forehead, like so, right? Or I won't even touch you. I'll put it above your forehead. What, I got some dirt there. So I was putting my hand there like so, and trying to send some energy and just the sending of the energy caused her pain. She had bone cancer. And uh, I I don't know what is the most painful cancer, but the one I've seen that is the most painful is bone cancer. This girl, I had to literally work on her from across the room and she started getting better. She started making progress and she was sitting up. She wasn't in as much pain. And she, they, when when they, they take you in every so often, to the hospital. She lived right across the street in a special room from the hospital. And they, no new growth. It seems to be stopped. Okay, let's keep going. Her dad came in from out of town and he began talking to her about her funeral. What kind of funeral she wanted? Did she want a religious funeral? Did she want this? Did she want that? Within a day, back on the bed. I mean, worse than ever before. Total relapse. And I, I, I was angry, but there was nothing I could say. It was her dad. What can I do? So I continued to work with her. And I said, look, I said, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I'm not certain at this point. I, I think you've made up your mind to move on. Is there anything else you want? She said, yes. I want to be here long enough to graduate from college. We called the college. She was one credit short. I said, I said, you think going through this life experience of cancer is worth one credit? They said, absolutely. And so maybe about five, six days later, she received her diploma. She refused to receive it in her bedroom. She received it in a room where there was a group of people. She stood up, she had tears in her eyes. She was so happy. A few days later, she died. Everybody's on a different journey. And her real journey was to receive that college degree. That said to her, my life means something. I didn't waste all my time here. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that also goes to show that like, that was her intention, right? If if there was a different intention, maybe she would have 
decided to stay longer, to live longer, to push through it longer. So I guess ultimately what this all goes back to is that we have a lot of power with the choices that we make and with the direction that we want to take. And even if we don't realize it, like what it is that we want and knowing what we want is what will ultimately lead us to where we go. Right. Exactly. Now, my question for you is, where is a good place to start? Like if there's somebody who hasn't ever done any of this inner work or hasn't even really thought about doing it before, but now they're going to hear this and now they really want to take action. They want to change their life for the better. Oh, come on. They want to jump into the deep end of the pool and get going. <laughs> yes. Manifest your perfect destiny.com in Sedona, Arizona. It's three days. And I'm going to take you down to the deep end, submerge you down there and bring you up brand new. How's that? That sounds and great. And in Sedona, yeah, the best place to do it's it. In Sedona. And we got the beautiful retreat center there. It's going to be intense beyond anything you can imagine. I love that. That sounds amazing. Now, for people out there who might want more, right? But they feel like there has to be a limit to, to how much they could be asking for, right? Like they want to receive more. They want to live an abundant life. But they, they sort of put a cap to what that could contain. What would your response be to that? You have no limits. You have no boundaries other than the ones you choose. Now, I do want to, we spoke about relationships a little bit, and I think a lot of our listeners would love to hear more about that. So if there's any like single girls or guys out there who are dating and looking for the perfect partner and they have a whole list of what they want, but they're not having success, what are your recommendations? How do we attract the partner that we want? I think you become a fitting container for the kind of energy you desire to attract. Be, focus on yourself. Mm-hmm. Start develop a love relationship with you first and foremost, and then become the kind of person that you want to attract in your life. Live the kind of life that you'd like to live with someone else. And then you'll put yourself in vibrational alignment with the kind of person you'd like to attract. I hear people say, why do I keep getting these bad people? You know, the one guy did prison and this guy is <laughs> drug addict and the next guy is always does play video games. And that's because you're at that vibrational alignment. Yeah. So it starts with you. Live the life yes. you want to live just with yourself for now. And then when the right person comes along to add value to your life, be open to it. Yeah, because look at, if you build a compelling life, if you build a compelling life that's happy and full and, and has mission and has purpose, then a lot of people are going to want to be a part of that life. But if, you, if your life is, I'm needy, I got to find somebody to fill it, I need somebody to be with me tonight, then you're just going to attract a lot of uh, short-term relationships, probably. And like, probably. The, like the example that you mentioned earlier with the gym guy. If yeah. that person leaves, you're still full. They're not feeling right. anything. They're just adding value. Yeah, exactly. Very interesting. So for anyone out there listening, you know, it starts with you. So it's important to do that inner work. Get up every morning. First thing, before you get out of bed, good things are coming my way. What are some good ones for people to start with? That's a great one. That's definitely important to say in the morning. What are maybe a few others that, that people should say? And on top of just saying it, you have to have that emotion with saying it, right? You have to get that, that energy as if like you're, you're attracting it, right? You can't just like say, today's going to be a good day or today's going to be the best day. You have to really feel it. Yeah. Oh, no, you want to do this 
while you are getting out of bed, you want to make your shower a pump up time, assuming that you don't work out. Yeah, okay. Yeah. If you go work, work out, first, out then you know, you, you, <laughs> while you're going to the gym, when you're working out, you're pumping up. Good things are coming my way. I feel it. I feel it. And you just get pumped up and you get it. You get juiced. You get excited that you just know all this stuff is always coming your way. And if you see a, a penny on the, on the, on the ground, Good things are coming my way. See, put the penny in my pocket. A little richer today. Exactly. You know, money is too damn easy to make. Now you've got to say it the right way. You got to say it's too damn easy. I mean, damn easy. This isn't just easy. This is damn easy to make. But see, whatever we believe is easy tends to become easy. Whatever we believe is difficult and challenging will tend to be difficult and challenging for us. So when you believe that money's easy, relationships are easy, friendships are easy, they just start coming from all over the place. The universe says, that's who he is. Let's give more of it. Now, I agree with everything that you just said. I think that really explains it very clearly. But even if you live a very positive, optimistic life, some challenges might come up here and there. When a challenge does come up, this is something that I actually always wonder about. Should you allow yourself to feel that challenge? Like if you are having a bad day, should you allow yourself to sort of feel those negative emotions so that they work them, their way out of you? Or should you try to balance it out with positivity, with having a higher vibrational state? How do we find that balance of like accepting a challenge for what it is, but then also shifting our intentions to get past that challenge towards success? Right. Well, it depends on the challenge. Obviously, if you lose somebody you love, you get a phone call, oh, grandma died or whatever. You're not going to say good things are coming my way. I just, <laughs> you know, did it, I knew something good was going to happen. <laughs> you know, you, you're a human being. You're going to go through emotional states of grieving and loss and, and all of that. You don't want to get stuck there. But if it's more surface level, let's say like somebody gets fired from their job or somebody owns a business and they can't make payroll, like something yeah. that's, again, to the person is a big challenge, but it's not as drastic as getting, you know, a surprise phone call about. Something. Sure. Sure. I, I remember I got fired from my job one time and on the way home, I started a company driving home and stopped by one of my clients, signed her up and went home and deposited $4,000 in my my new business bank account that I opened up and what a boss. Yeah, that was good. You know, you're going to deal with it in different people deal with things in different ways. If you have to go through some grieving or if you have to go through some shock, but then get yourself back on track. Yeah. Okay. And look, look for the, you know, Napoleon Hill talked about this, look for the hidden blessing or mm -hmm. the hidden, the hidden positive, something positive is going to come out of this. And I always try to think in life, things happen for us, not to us. So, oh, good. So yeah, maybe you were fired from your job, but that's propelling you into another journey like your business. Right. Anybody that doesn't get fired from a few jobs isn't worth much. You're right. You're right. Especially if you have leadership qualities. Yeah, Leaders aren't always good employees. Yeah, that's true. Now you've written a lot of great books. You put out a lot of great content out there. What are some good places for people to start? If somebody wants to learn more about this topic, any books, documentaries, resources that you recommend that have helped you on your journey? Robert Zink on YouTube. Mm -hmm. That might be a good one. There's over 1,200 videos there. Virtually, 
every topic you can think of. We're also on Instagram. I have a book list I can give you and you can put it in your description. Sure. Yeah, that'd be great. You'd like to do that. I have a kind of recommended reading list. Some of it's very, very difficult, like Man's Search for Meaning. Mm. Some of it's pretty easy, like I'm a Badass by Jen Sincero. But there's some different books. So I'll give you that and uh, throw it in your reading list or your uh, description for your, for your audience. For sure. I did have one more question. So I know we spoke about the universe a little bit. Like, do you believe that we get signs in the universe, whether that's from like guardian angels or other? I, see, this is where, where Joe Dispenza and I might disagree. Mm. He believes that, and, and, and he probably, well, I don't say we disagree. I say I, I would disagree with uh, Neville Goddard and Joe Dispenza might agree with Neville. Mm. Neville says that signs, they come after you receive a sign afterwards. I think you can receive signs in advance. So I agree with you. I, so I think one of the best ways to, to, to find out something is to say, okay, I'm going to meditate. My intention is this. If I'm on the right path with the way I'm going, I'm going to see a butterfly in the next week. I don't know where I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it on TV. I'm going to see it in a magazine. I'm going to see it in person but it's going to be a monarch, not going to be a moth, going to be a big, beautiful butterfly. Now that's a reasonable sign. Mm -hmm. It's not an impossible sign. Like, okay. I love a Homer Simpson sign. God, if you agree with me, don't answer, you know, <laughs> but it's a reasonable sign. And then sure enough, if, when you see that butterfly, you'll know exactly what it is. So if you just start seeing signs without the meditation or the intention before, yeah, you can see those yeah. too. Okay. Yeah. I've just been seeing a lot of feathers lately, like huge That's feathers. That's crazy. We just found two owl feathers in our yard. I just found, I think, do you think that was an owl feather? It was a big feather. Like, and I had a dream of like a feather, like in a bag of chips also all within one week. Yeah. It was probably an owl feather. Yeah. Weird. Anyway. Hopefully yeah. a sign of good things to come. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. do as well. Now, a question we love to ask all of our guests on this podcast is if you could sit down and have tea with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, just, I have to limit it to one person. No, You know, you could make it a, tea a tea party. You could put a few a people party. in there. A tea party. Ah, uh, wow. Well, I am a, a huge fan of the teachings of Jesus, but I don't know that Jesus drank tea. I think he liked wine. wine. So him and I it's would have a glass night. of wine together. <laughs> yeah, we'd have a glass of wine together. Because so much of, of his teachings are based on the law of attraction. Maybe likely because he, he was raised in Egypt, hmm. where the, uh, the teachings of Hermes were, were taught. And so you can see very strong similarities between the teachings of Jesus and, and Hermes. But... Oh, I, I, I think there would be, uh, I, I did some volunteer work at uh, Mother Teresa's place in uh, Kolkata, but I never got a chance to meet her because she had already passed. I'd love to sit down with Mother Teresa. Yeah. Gotta, absolutely would love to spend a day with Dr. Wayne Dyer mm -hmm. and Henry Ford. Yeah. Those would all be fascinating. Yeah. Michelangelo. Mm -hmm. 
How about a guy who sees, he says, I, I didn't carve David. I just removed, David was already there. I just removed the excess and laid and slept next to that statue for four years, day and night. I'm not talking about, hey, I think I'll go work on the statue a little bit. I'm talking about I'm covered in dust for, you know, maybe every now and then run down to the river or something, but covered in dust. People would bring him food because he'd go without eating. He was so in love and obsessed with this beautiful statue that he was bringing to life. When you have that kind of passion about anything in your life, it's a certainty you will manifest it. Wow. What a great way to end it. Yeah. That's a a very powerful place to end it. So start with passion. Start with passion. I love it. Now for anyone out there who wants to learn more about your work, potentially work with you or join you on one of the amazing workshops that you have, where are the best places to reach you at? I know you mentioned your Instagram, but anywhere else. Yeah. Well, of course we're on YouTube. We're on, we have a Facebook uh, account, Robert Zenk official page. There've been several people out there impersonating me lately forming fake accounts. So official look for the official, right? Well, they'll write the official there too. So, (laughs) but mine is, uh, you know, if you really are, if somebody asks you for money over the internet, it's not me. Okay. We have 850, about 850,000 followers on YouTube. So we have a pretty good, so if somebody calls you and says, I've got a YouTube account and they've got 2000 followers, it's not me. It's not you. We also have a couple of books that are available on Amazon. You just type in my name, but manifest your perfect destiny. Wow. You two need to be there. We'd love to. When is it? <laughs> it is 11-11. What other birthday? day? That's, a, that's the day after my birthday. My birthday's on the 10th. And you like See? spending it in Sedona too. Yeah, maybe we'll be in Sedona that weekend. 11-11, 11-12, and 11-13. It's three days. 11-11, So it's right 22. after my birthday, yeah. I love it. Wow. Let's yeah. do it. Oh, that's a good time to have it. So people that are interested, go to manifestyourperfectdestiny.com. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us and for all the great work that you do to help inspire people to live their best lives. You're you're making a lot of impact and we really appreciate it. I appreciate it. I appreciate being on your show. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. That was great. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on our episode with Robert Zink. That was such an uplifting conversation, which left me feeling like the possibilities are truly limitless. I'm now going to be extra mindful of the words that I speak, thoughts that I think, and actions that I take towards building the future that I desire. I hope that you're all inspired to do the same. As always, if you have any questions, please email us at podcast at drinkdowntoearth.com or get in touch with us on our Instagram at drinkdte. In the meantime, stay healthy and stay hydrated. Cheers. Now it's time for you to go out there and do at least one small thing to better your health today. Always choose to make your life a healthier, happier, and a more down-to-earth place. Until next time. Cheers to good health.